I will bring my uncertainty with me. I will be permanently uncertain about this till the day I'm dead, which I don't think is the enemy of faith. I think it's the prerequisite of faith. Because mm-hmm. um, if you're certain, you don't have to have faith about anything because mm-hmm. you're certain about it. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and my faith is like shifting sand, changed by every wave. And I'm Meg, and frankly, I just love any evangelical fall from grace story, so this is going to be fun for me. We are so dang excited, because today on the pod, we have Derek Webb from Cayman's Call, and... Sorry if I sound like a fangirl when I say it. I, I think I am a fangirl a little bit or a lot. I I could sing every word to most every Cadman's Call song. Let's start day. right now. Do it. Right now? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't test me. I mean, that'll have to be, that's going to be Patreon content. Sorry, folks. That's right. Sorry. For, that's for, that's for worship yeah. album only time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was in a youth worship band and we used to cover Cadman's Call. And my friend Kevin and I, because Cadman's Call, there was like, a male singer Derek and then there was a female singer and so we would harmonize I knew all the songs I loved them so it's been interesting to watch Derek's career as he has walked away from evangelicalism like we have he has shifted sands for sure yeah his faith has been like shifting sand and we applaud him for that. Derek was a delight to talk to. I found that so inspiring uh, to hear it from someone who was so entrenched in the evangelical Christian world and was kind of a, you know, a famous person in it. And he has really waded through this muck, uh, you know, and he has done it kind of publicly and, and there wasn't a lot of people out there doing it. And, you know, I, I'm inspired because we're trying to make an impact. Um, and so he has inspired me to keep going, keep doing this. And it's just great. I, I'm excited for everybody to hear it through his words. And there's so much grace for people wherever they're at in their journey. And we really appreciate that, that it's not this just like, we're not just throwing out everybody. We understand that everybody's process is different. And I just felt there was a lot of compassion there from someone mm-hmm. who's been deep in the trenches and then who's walked away from it. And now he's kind of in a weirdly middle ground, which we all get that we are in <laughs> the gray, you know? So, and one quick note uh, is that, uh, Sarai is not, was not able to join on this episode. She just had a lot going on and needed to step away for the day. And we missed her very much. But uh, hopefully we can have a conversation with him again someday because she, like me, was also a Kate Men's Call super fan. So again, on our album someday, Sarai and I am sure will be singing some of their jams. And I'm so excited to hear Derek's new jam. So part of this interview was to talk about his new album, The Jesus Hypothesis, which will be out in the coming months. And he's playing a show here in Portland at All Saints Episcopal, <clears throat> my church, uh, <laughs> on on the 15th of January. And he will be playing a bunch of songs from the new record. We're excited to bring this interview with Lindsay and I and Derek Webb. See you soon, ghosties. Hi, Derek. Welcome to Holy Ghosting. I'm Lindsay, and this is my co-host, Meg. We are missing the wonderful Sarai today as she oh. she she can't join us, but she wanted you to know she's a big fan, and she is the most musically inclined of all of us, and oh. she bursts into song in the episodes often. One of my favorites that she ever did was what uh it's all about you white kids that's instead of like <laughs> we were doing an episode on short-term missions instead of it's all about you Jesus. oh She's, oh boy 
Yeah, she was like queen of summer. She like worked at Christian camps. She yes. Was, yeah, she's got amazing. We all served story. time in different. Yeah, in different. Yeah, uh, yeah. Type, types of places when it comes to the yeah like i i've i've for sure you know camps um like we've i've pretty much beach retreats i mean i've i've mm. both attended and performed and so yeah have I you have, done like winter retreats i remember those were big yes, youth group absolutely. Thing, ski yes. retreats. yeah yeah they yeah. would coach had- you with the skiing and then they would trick you into the bible study 100 percent. yeah well because where are you at on the mountain is what they're going to do it's like you're exhausted you're tired and then they're like jesus can help with that exactly <laughs> it's like it's literal and it's and it's a metaphor all it's it's too it always good has to come to, back oh, that yeah. youth group metaphor man that's a it's too tempting sir i had a message we we just want to pass along she's a super fan mm. she hopes she can make it to your show next week that yes. would be like a major goal in life for her so we want to hear all about it and tell everybody about that and she said maybe she you guys can make lemonade someday <gasps> lemonade <laughs> Of something out of whatever the lemon she's being handed in her life. Yeah, well, that's what I pretty much, that is how I've described my career. I run a lemonade stand. That is what I do for a living. (laughs) And so I think we can probably manage that. So Love it. She's going to be so so happy. From your mouth to God's ears. Hopefully that will happen. And uh, (laughs) sorry to have missed her. Well, we are very happy to have you on the show today. And it'll be interesting yeah. because Meg and I are coming at this a little bit differently. She's a little bit more like in the dark about your career and your yeah. music and what we've done. Whereas I was a big fan of Cademan's Call. I okay. was in my youth group worship band. I co-led. And it was funny because it was me and this guy, Kevin. And I remember, like, I can still remember those harmony. I've covered so many. That that first album of yours, I feel like uh, I know every word of it. Wow. So Sorry. Uh, no, I know. Great. Can I come in and make a joke about your faith about, you know, something about shifting sands? Yes. Or, I don't- and, and all are welcome. Like, please let's do it like you're fine with all the jokes well oh the, my God, the yeah. long the long line of levers like of levers. you are you're a lever and so as it we, turns out yeah as it turns out so surprisingly we, yeah we have given the old middle finger to evangelicalism and yes. which is great so yeah. first of all we want to say like this kind of came about because you are playing a show yes. in portland at el Saints episcopal at my church and yes. i didn't know a ton about where you're at now until I think it was my friend Jake had introduced you to us or had, Mm. you know, something anyways, connected you to our church. And I saw you were playing and kind of did some diving on where you're at now, followed Mm. you on social and was just sort of blown away by, you know, I feel like we've talked about this before. Like we're all big fans of like Amy Grant and what she's talking about these days. Uh, Amy's like, she's keeping it real. But so many of those like heroes from our childhood, the people we listen to are just like, Trumpy, horrible. Like yeah, yep. when you hear about someone from when we were younger, from those days that actually has like landed a little differently yes. or is like doing good work, it's it's sadly surprising. So yes. yeah, we just want to hear like, I guess you know, how's your walk, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure the only way, the only place to start is you know, let's go around the circle and. <laughs> Um, do you have any? Do you have, any uh, do you have a praise report? Anything right. you need to share yep, with us? Yep, yep. Yeah, some vulnerability. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. So I, I mean, as a little bit of background. I mean, I got my start musically early '90s. Friends and I in Texas started Cademan's Cademan's Call, and that was like a, a solid, you know, ten years that I was in that band. And that was kind of we started pre-internet. So if that's and and toured all over Texas. We were mainly a college band, but then wound up on a, a, um, a, a Warner Brothers imprint label 
and they were trying to figure out how to market us and they and and so we wound up kind of in the christian music mm-hmm. lane that's how we were promoted and unfortunately that worked pretty well and so we so and once you have that you can't it's like the scarlet letter you can't be rid of it once you're yeah. known as a christian band like we had spent half a decade touring all colleges and we would, you know, we played at Duke every year. We played it. We, there was a, and then all of a sudden we were, it's like we were, you're, you get rubber stamped and all of a sudden you're a Christian band. And then nobody, all the people who you worked so hard to, you know, to build some rapport and trust with suddenly are just, they're, they're finished. They're, they're, they're not interested. And you start having to play in churches. And so that, so that but like. something don't they know, Derek, that you can be just a Christian in a band? You don't have to be a Christian band. No. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. That, that's so funny how often we had to. You, that, that was definitely our line. I mean, it, yep. it was like, after a while, we were like, we're just pushing a rock up a hill, um, you know, after a certain amount of time. The, I, what I'm not trying to do is complain about having succeeded in that band. And it it was a great 10-year run with them. They're still a bunch of my dearest friends and family, God knows. And, um, and then early 2000s, after a good 10 years there, um, just kind of after when you, when you serve 10 years in a CCM band, you, you, you collect enough and you see enough to where there are things, if you choose to talk about them, there are, there's a lot to talk about. And so my kind of songwriting, so I was half the songwriting in that band and, um, me and another guy wrote all the band songs and, and, uh, my songwriting started to just take a turn, kind of pivoted around a corner because I really, felt like it was important to bring up some of what I was seeing that seemed like kind of incongruencies or inconsistencies in language and behavior over those years and my experience kind of in evangelicalism and as an evangelical myself at that time. And so I think that the the turn in my songwriting kind of naturally, um, I didn't want to be a weight on the band after 10 years of hard work and and wanted them to certainly succeed. And they had kind of a, a vision about what they were doing. And I started to have a little bit of a vision of something I thought could be important for me to do as a as a songwriter, as a musician or whatever. So it it was very amicable and and we kind of split around 2000s, early 2000. And I started making solo music, which is still what I'm doing. Um, and I have, uh, and actually the occasion that I'm coming up there for is, um, cause I have a new record that's coming out in a, just a few months. Um, it's called the Jesus hypothesis and it's kind of like, so in 2017, I put a record out called, uh, fingers crossed. And that record was kind of my, it, I think we can, I can use a, a shorthand with you that you'll understand. I think your listeners will understand. That was kind of my first kind of post deconstruction record. Although mm-hmm. deconstruction is not a term I like. Um, <laughs> Same. Because, yeah. yeah. It's a, well, a buzzword at the moment. Yeah. It, it is. And anytime that, and I'm sorry for my dog who's going to bark occasionally. Um, that's just part of <laughs> What's it. It's your dog's name. We got to introduce it. And she is an angel from heaven. Um, but she also barks at uh, at UPS trucks. Well, but, we are we are happy to have her on the show. We oh, love well, she, all creatures. Well, she's going to be on the show. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Thanks but, for your um, contribution. We Etta. can't keep her from being on the show. Um, but uh, so so um, yeah, deconstruction. It's like a word when when you ask ten people to define a word and you get ten different definitions. Immediately stop using that word because it's yep. <laughs> And uh, anyways, though, I think you understand what I mean. Though, just kind of that that big audit of all of the presumptions that I had about invisible reality. Um, when you do that 
and you come away realizing, oh, maybe some of this doesn't make sense and isn't comforting, especially, and is illogical to me, maybe. Um, and, uh, and maybe that's just not the way, the logic that led me to the needing of a savior no longer makes sense to me. And so maybe all of this seems unnecessary or something. So as you go through that, um, yeah, it's disruptive. And, and, um, and I was also going through divorce at that time around 2016, 2017. Uh, 25, I mean, it was before that, but I kind of call fingers crossed my, my tale of two divorces record. And mm -hmm. so I kind of processed all that's a heavy record, but, um, anyway, um, that was kind of me going in with the ax and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of how that process can be. And it's not that way for everybody. Some people do it slowly and, and delicately. And some people like bowls in China shops and, or, you know, whatever with an ax, you go in and you really have to chop a thing down. And, and it was a little bit of both for me, but the point is the new record is me, and I, I put a record out in between called Targets that was kind of my defiantly joyous record. Like, I'm on the other side of it, you know, fuck you, I'm joyous now, you know? And, Love and, that. And, and it was a really great energy. It was a great thing for me to process. But now I kind of feel like, okay, a lot of these things, as I try to be mature about it, and I don't want to be, I don't want to identify myself as where I have been or what I'm against or what I don't believe. I would like to be move forward and and not be bound by what's behind me. And as I've started to do that in the last few years, I've realized there's a lot of that that I that I think is really kind of beautiful and meaningful to me and things I would like to bring with me, things that maybe mm -hmm. don't belong, like God doesn't get everything in the divorce and yes. some of those things are mine and can belong to me and my friends and we can bring that with us. My love for the poor, my weirdly conflicted love of enemy and I mean like that approach and anyway, a lot of that kind of stuff. So as I started to process and think about some of that, I was like, I think I need to go back. Most people don't naturally go back to revisit what they've burned down. They don't go back into the wreckage to identify things that they might want to keep or salvage. And so this record for me is me kind of going back where I once went in with an ax, I'm going get back in with a scalpel, you know, to kind mm -hmm. of be really surgical and delicate and careful about making sure I bring everything with me that belongs and that, and that is meaningful and that is, um, uh, true. And as far as I understand, and so anyways, that's a lot of what it is. New records coming, um, in a few months and I'm just doing like a handful of, um, house shows, which is the major majority of what I do, um, in order to kind of preview all the new songs. And so I'm coming there, I'm going to play all the new songs. There are very few churches at this point in my career who will host me. So it's always special when I'm in a church, it's a very special thing. And, uh, yeah, so that will be a great night, but that's kind of where I'm at. And that's kind of what I'm bringing season of life I'm in, that sort of thing. So that's all incredibly fascinating. I feel like it's interesting, all of us talking about our deconstruction journeys and how yes. it's been really different and it hits everybody. I feel like I was the latest, I was the last domino to fall of the three of us hosts and where oh, yeah. like, like Sarai, her story is like incredible. Like it just hit her mm. one day and she was just like, she yeah. rebaptized herself into her own divinity. And I was like, that is badass. I yes. wish that I had that kind of clarity. Like she that. literally, she like literally yeah. jumped into a creek. And I'm like, amazing. Oh. I, I was like classic, like Donald Trump was the final, you know, yes. nail in the coffin of it was I had people, been, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't been going to an event. And we thank country. him for that, honestly. Yeah. And you like, know what? The more a a catalyst you got is a great out, thing. Yeah. I'm yeah, fine with that. Like, I, I don't nothing. like it for the country and a lot of other reasons, but right. I did like it for that. But it's going to, if it's going to have happened anyway, what a, I mean, what a great, you know, like it, it did bring some, it, 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 um, it, it, uh, galvanized some things. And I think it really, 
it's like it was such a radical overcorrection to a thing that it really identified it, it, it where, where you don't feel like, where I don't, where I wish there weren't lines, it draws some. Mm-hmm. And then you very clearly find yourself on one or the other side of it. And I think that that can be really helpful in certain moments. And, yeah. uh, and I think it has been. Yeah. Well, it I mean, was just, it was flabbergasting too, to watch all these people that, you know, you've known your whole life that mm-hmm. proclaim the love of Jesus. And then they're just spewing hatred Ooh. about mm-hmm. every, uh, every minority, you know, all these things, yes. and the, the, the chasm that was there. I just didn't understand it. I was like, I don't right. see Jesus in any of this and I want nothing to do with it. And I hadn't been going to any evangelical church in a hot minute. I had a kid yeah. and yeah. my husband, my husband was not raised religious. He was raised atheist, although he like went to young life and yeah. college for a hot minute. Okay. I actually met him. He went to Bible college with my sister, I, yeah. but wow. he doesn't have that religious baggage at mm-hmm. all, which is mm-hmm. incredible. And it's been really nice to be married to someone who is just incredible. Like, yeah. He's just like, you can just let that go. And I'm like, can, can I, you know, yes, all of right. my, well, all my purity culture hangups, he has none of that. And I'm <sighs> like, oh, to be, I have very so few friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have just a very few friends who have that same story and they're remarkable. I love talking to them about all this stuff because they have such an incredible perspective on it and they just don't have any of the, none of the landmines are buried anywhere where mine are. And so we're yeah. able to it's great perspective. So that's a yeah. gift. Yeah. Although when we start bursting out into song as Meg's husband and I feel like him and I, we're always singing like our God is an awesome God or as the deer panteth for the water. And, and my husband Don't get us like, started. We'll sing him his love forever. We will. We'll do it. <laughs> we will. We'll do it. And ever and ever. And ever. And <laughs> oh, ever. Was, yeah. As a type A like organized person, I was yes. oh, it drove me crazy. I was like, can we just end the song? Can we just right, end it, right. please? I know that we uh, can do it, but must we? I mean, I don't know that, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, Worship leaders yeah. had a lot of power in our lives, right? Mm. A, a lot. Did Honestly, you ever get, yeah, go ahead. Did you ever get confused? Like, were you ever called a worship band? Did you lead worship yeah. ever? Okay, so it is confusing because, so our band did. I have never been mistaken for a leader of worship, but but our band did. But to be fair, and did we do that kind of sometimes, but it was before it was like in the early nineties um, when we were getting started, there was not the way that you can see it now kind of worship product, like kind mm-hmm. of that, that's yeah. more what we're dealing with now. The hill songs of the world hadn't really. Yes. We're, yeah. we're like, where where if you're a, if you're a band on a Christian label or whatever, you can't get on the radio if you don't without, without a worship song. Cause that's the only things it wasn't like that. It was not remotely like that. Worship music was not uh, valued or really played outside of, um, you know, kind of church uh, experiences. It was, there weren't like celebrity worship leaders touring and playing all over the world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that really at that time. And so our band, um, we, so uh, I was in uh, the band with a, with a preacher's kid, Cliff Young. Um, his whole family are all preachers and his brothers and his dad. And it's like a real lineage. And, um, and I won't name family business. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I won't, and I won't name their names cause I, cause personally I like some of these people, but they are definitely some of them you would for sure know. And they are, yeah, they, they're, it's, it's conflicting, but anyways, so, um, for that reason, we had this thing where, um, his brother, his middle brother, um, was kind of trying to do like a subversive, 
so our band got uh, kind of came up in a um, Southern Baptist church, a big Southern Baptist mega church in Houston. And that was just kind of where that, that's where Cliff's dad was the pastor. That's where I met. That's we met and we would like rehearse there and we would play shows there. All that. That was kind of a home base for us a little bit. Cliff's brother, Ben, he had this crazy idea to kind of have a secret kind of liturgical high church experience thing happening inside secretly inside of this huge uh, Southern Baptist mega church. And he would do this on like, you know, Sunday nights or whatever. He had this kind of secret service and it was on, he was like the singles pastor. So he could, he was kind of crazy. Like you, you could sing, <laughs> singles pastors can get away with do, doing almost whatever they want. And um, we got to get the singles. They're we don't very know experimental. How. We, how wild to get these people. Well, right? we have to cast the net. Anyways. So they can't, he had this go to, thing. we can't go to a bar for a singles night. We got to go to church. Well, yeah, exactly. But, um, <laughs> and anyways, so and he asked us, like, would you guys come and do the music for it? Because that would also be, you know, subversive and whatever. Like, it's not going to be like uh, the way it is with the, you know, the choir and the orchestra and the whatever they did. And the, and so we're like, yeah, that, yeah that'd be great. And we kind of felt caught up in it, too. It was we were all learning. That was kind of in my my theological adolescence uh, at that time, too. We were kind of early college age, but none of us going to college. And so that's like where I really studied and learned whatever I learned at, at least at that time. And so we loved it. We felt like we were part of something. And so we would play music at this thing. And, um, and there were like choruses and there were like Rich Mullen songs. And there were like, I mean, there, there wasn't like a ton, there wasn't, it, again, it wasn't like it is. Um, but we would do that. And like, we would like try to always be back in Texas by a Sunday night so that we could get there in time to do this. And that was kind of, mm -hmm. we would tour and we'd always try to get back to do it. And it was a great experience and it was a great, oh, it was a great season. And, um, but you could do that and no one would think anything of it. So like, mm -hmm. cause the people there, like we were touring and we were putting out indie records at that time. Nobody, no bands were being, were being called worship bands. So are you guys like a worship band? That wasn't a thing. That just wasn't even mm -hmm. a thing. So no one mm -hmm. even asked the question. But looking back, I feel like there are a lot of people who look back and see our band as like, maybe mistake our band for having been a worship band. But we're also, we also kind of asked for it because late <laughs> in our band's career, there was a pressure put on every band in the industry. I blame Third Day. Um, but, and that's a whole like other- Third Day or David Crowder? It's a whole other story. No, Crowder was, was, uh, was barely a, 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 a skinny- at that point. Ba barely a skinny kid in khakis at, in, <laughs> at Baylor at that time. Um, but, uh, uh, the, 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 the trend of Christian bands recording worship songs kind of started to happen late nineties. And, uh, I've got a whole story I, I, uh, that I blame third day, good, good friends. We were on a record label for many years together, but I still blame them. And, um, <laughs> and no one really saw it coming. Like the whole worship, like suddenly that big shift where all that happened, no one really saw that coming, but it happened. And once it happened, and there was great success with it, and 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 it was determined there was a market for this. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the pressure was on every Christian band. Like, all right, everybody, we you got to do your worship record. You got to put out your mm -hmm. worship song. You got to do the. And that was happening right around the time I was leaving the band. Um, right around that time is when that was happening. And so the band did put out like a couple of worship records. The first one of which was like the first thing they put out after I left. And but it's like again, it's like those scarlet letters. Like it's the last thing we did. It wasn't by, it was, it was 10% of what we did over 10 years. And now I think a lot of people are like, oh yeah, were you guys like a worship band? And I'm like, oh my God, no, like we weren't, like we didn't do that. 
We just sang songs about, so, and I've never done that in my career or whatever. So, um, it's, but it's, it's the, the whole the thing is so confusing. Thing. I'm so yeah. sorry. I feel the need to like explain it all, but it's no, like, I mean the Christian, I, so I ended up working for an indie record. Like all I wanted oh. to do was like my, my church in high school, we started a music venue. I was oh, in cool. a, a punk rock band. Right. I was the lead, I was the lead singer. I wanted to be Gwen Stefani, but like Christian Gwen Stefani, Love you know, it. And, um, we like to appropriate and we, yeah. we need alternatives. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and it's funny because I truly think that because basically like tooth and nail like saved me because my mom would let so me listen good. to yes. anything that was on there. And it's so funny because you think about bands like MXPX, who was never a Christian band. No. Like, may, maybe barely, yeah. but like because they were on tooth and nail, that makes they were such great Christian. records. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. I learned to harmonize to yes. MXPX, you know, yeah. like those pop, punk such legit, great are... music. Like all of yeah. that. Like, I mean, like I, tooth and nail did such a good yeah, job. 100%. Brandon and those guys curating all those. I mean, there's so much legit, great music did come from that era. So right. well, and I think and I in think the it... 90s too, we had those youth conventions that kind oh, of yes. were galvanizing that teenage youth vibe. And I think the record labels rightfully so were like, how do we capitalize on that? Oh, how absolutely. do we continue to get those kids to keep coming? And so we did, we started to see a lot of good fun bands that were directed at our age group yes. to keep us in the community and yes. keep us in the bubble. It was safe yeah. and mm -hmm. it was positive, you know, like <laughs> whatever, all the fish radio stations, isn't it yes. like safe oh, yes. for the whole family? Safe for the whole like, family like okay it's, that's a weird well and there's never been like i, I can hard i can almost not imagine more false advertising or what should have been false advertising mm -hmm. if, if a christian radio station knowing what i know about jesus the actual person who i i do believe was alive in the first century um i don't know what exactly happened back there but i do think he was a guy yeah. and based on what i know about him and like what he did and kind of like safe for the whole family is not a way I would, that's terrible. That, that is, that is not a way I would describe Jesus. No. And so I always thought like, I mean, isn't he the guy who said I came, you know, to, to set mother against daughter and father against son and, you know, not, not bring peace, but a sword. And it's like, and yet safe for the whole family. Like, what are you talking about then? Cause you <laughs> yeah. can't be talking about Jesus. That makes no sense. Yeah, that was like um, I was like flipping over tables and just exactly doing, that's what I'm talking about. Like, Anyways, yeah, he was not like making. He was a rabble yeah. rouser, okay? Yeah. Rabble rouser. They did. Rouser. They did not want us to do that. That's yeah. that was surprising, but I think they wanted to change the story of Jesus so that they oh, could yeah, help yeah. to control who we were, and yeah, yeah. you know the quiet calm, the Jesus with the lamb over his shoulders and the little yeah. children around him. That's the calm, subdued, yeah. Yeah. white Jesus. Well. At the end of the day, the Roman Empire in the first century doesn't kill somebody for loving people too much. They kill people <laughs> for being um, politically uh, subversive mm -hmm. and being anti-empire. And that, as I understand him, is what Jesus ultimately was. And that's the reason he got into so much trouble. Um, and is you know, let's get the evangelicals I, I, on that train, okay? Can yeah. we get them on that anti-government? And, th and here's the thing. You can do, you can do both. You can do both. You can see. You can still believe something supernatural about Jesus, which, which I, the thing I don't like about it is then it requires you to kind of evangelicalism. The 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 um the the trick of the sleight of hand about evangelicalism is it requires that you see yourself as a piece of shit. Because if you're not mm -hmm. a piece of shit, you don't need saving or redeeming saving. or whatever. 
but even if, but I, I do have a lot of evangelical friends and that was not, I'm not trying to make a crude judgment about people who believe anything. Actually, I'm not, because if there's anything I am, it is uncertain. That is the one thing yeah. that my deconstruction or my audit of whatever left me with that I'm so grateful for is permanent uncertainty about invisible, unknowable things, invisible things like God, unknowable things like the future. If you are anything but uncertain about those things, I just don't understand the logic. Mm -hmm. And so I am permanently uncertain, which includes, of course, I'm also not certain that everything didn't happen exactly like I previously believed. I, I don't know that for a fact. It just seems unlikely or, or maybe unnecessary to me the way I understand the way the world works now. But um, so that was not meant to be, again, like a crude judgment of anyone's beliefs about anything, honestly. Um, the hardest part about post-deconstruction is being open to, uh, again, like kind of including and bringing with things that were part of your previously held system. And it's hard to do. Um, so I don't want anybody to feel, um, you know, whatever, uh, unwell, <laughs> no. un un unwelcome or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 Do you feel but, lucky so, the, then that you had music to kind of help you through that as a way to help process? I do. I do. Um, and, and it did and it has, but here's what's interesting about it. So at the end of, whatever it was, whatever year, the last record I put out pre-deconstruction, which would have been a record called I Was Wrong, I'm Sorry, and I Love You. That record um, I put out and then I went through all the things I went through, processed all that, really lost my footing a little bit just in terms of, because so an artist's job as I have always liked to understand it is to look at the world and describe it. That's kind of, that's your job description as a creative is just describe the world for us. And, and, and a worldview the grid through which you look at the world, when you deconstruct it and destroy it and burn it down, and then suddenly you're trying to do your job, which is to describe the world as you see it. I had some really severe writer's block for a long time because I was like, I don't know how to describe the world as I see it because I don't know how I see it at this yeah. point. I don't really know what I'm seeing. I don't know. I don't have, it's like, I, it's like something's been torn away that I spent 35 years building or whatever. And now I, I, I don't, I don't yet trust what I see. I don't, and I don't know if anybody gives a shit to hear about how I, what I <laughs> about think the about messiness the, and the... The, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't know, but what pulled me out of it <clears throat> was um, realizing as I was going through that and go, and out searching for music soundtrack to accompany me and comfort me when what it does. And the reason it does that is because it, it reassures you that you're not alone. You're not the only person who's ever felt this. You mm -hmm. hear someone else articulate your feelings back to you who's not been in your head and you realize that you're not alone. And that is usually the hardest part of a season like that. It's just feeling like you're all alone. And because and the church does such a, is so good at congregating people. And so once you're out of that and you're not congregating anymore mm -hmm. and you, you just, it's just so easy to feel completely all alone. It's a really lonely, hard, it's already a hard thing to have to reevaluate all the presumptions you had about the way reality works and to lose probably most of your friends and maybe even your job. But in addition to that, to feel just isolated and alone, it, it, you immediately start to doubt your doubts and it's a really confusing, hard thing. And so as I was off looking for soundtrack and finding really almost none, there, 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 there's not a ton of music for people. There, there, there's very little music about divorce. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of it. There's not a ton of it. Who, people who've really explored it and come back with something for us and for us to have something to take with us as we go through things that are hard. Um, and there's very little about 
um, deconversion faith and belief for Bazan as an example. He was the, the original. I feel like I was like this guy like deconstructed before all before it was a freaking term yeah. that any of us knew. But yeah, yeah. I, he's been preaching that gospel and, for and a it's, long time. And I really I do, too. And it's a it. costly thing to go and to, to journey and to document. Um, there's a cost and and well, so, people held his faith under a microscope. And I'm sure you get the same because once you make it to a certain level of notoriety, being this sort of, you know, I don't know that you would call yourself an evangelical superstar, but people put you on a pedestal. Yes. Right. And you were known for this way of believing and you yes. were this beacon to a lot of people for Bazan or at a, to a much lesser degree, the music that I have made over the years, they, they, they're like, okay, I, I know it well enough to know that they, they weren't faking that language. They really had had an experience with it mm -hmm. and really did believe it. And it was mm -hmm. really, mm -hmm. and yet I think there's no doubt that they are now disbelieving it. And that flies in the face of something that I theologically believe that starts to even just pull a thread on my whole system of theology. That's really troubling for me. It's like that whole, like, well, did what did I pluck myself from Jesus' hand? You know, did I, you know, not all the things that in Romans, whatever that says can never separate me from the love of God. And yet, and I don't know that I believe I'm separated from the love of God. I don't really know what God is at this point. I don't know that I'm was ever separated. I think the good news might be that I've that that there I've never been separated. You know, and if there is such a thing or whatever. But the point is, do I believe I had the power to somehow remove myself from, you know, to to eke my way out of Jesus hand, you know, like, uh, you know, to, to escape or whatever the fold of redemption. And cause there's a lot of people who say that's just theologically not possible. Mm -hmm. And so for them to see someone do it publicly is, is, is a terrible advertisement for maybe for their theology, but is personally really can be very devastating. Cause it's like, I, 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 I have to believe that that's not what I'm seeing happening. It can't happen. And so mm -hmm. I don't know how to feel about it. And it and and if you see someone going through it, then you it, it it does become a possible path. The one thing that I see people do that's very frustrating is they get very dismissive and they just do that. Right. Well, you were never a Christian to begin with, sure, because it's yep. easier for them. That's that's the rationale, and I've I've heard that from other people who've like pretty publicly deconstructed. And I'm just at the point where it's just I think that we were all raised in a pretty, you know, high control religion and it was yeah. really intense and yeah. it took us a long time to sort of process that. And I think, yeah. you know, our parents, like, you know, our parents are all having a little bit of a hard time with that. And I, I'm trying to tell my parents, like, I have some grace there. I understand that everyone has their, you know, their reasons for believing what they do and why they do. I don't think that, you know, I'm not even mad at my parents about it. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I just need the space and the freedom to find my own way and pull that thread. And yes. I think that unfortunately, like the previous generation, at least in my experience has been, they thought that if they raised us all a certain way and kept us in this bubble and taught us these things, you know, I was homeschooled. I've mm. never been to public school a day in my life. Like yeah. I was very sheltered. Yeah. And so, you know, I go, protest like the police you know whatever like I think yeah. my parents are just like what have we and it's interesting I also did not buy in as much as say like my sister my youngest sister mm. was a missionary with YWAM for 14 years and oh, she's wow. now just like she's like fuck it I'm not a Christian wow, at all wow, wow, wow. so done well, I'm sure and the I, response has to be in like inverse proportion to the to the, right. how extremely you yeah yeah 
and I was always much more like, I'll kind of, I'll go to church, I'll sit in the background, and which is why it's very interesting. And I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, the fact that I'm like in a leadership position at a church. Now, I never in a wow. million years would have guessed that. And it's because I found a community that is so open. It's been healing. Uh, it's yes. been, we do a ton of work with houseless folks in Portland. Yes. And that's really like during the pandemic, I I run my own business and I, I do social media for like restaurants and hotels. And nice. so my, my business took a big hit at the beginning. So right, I had right, time. Right. And so I just sort of like put my efforts into like handing out face masks and hand sanitizer to unhoused folks. And I think that really I say it's, I still don't know fully what I believe. I love this uncertainty thing, but I know I'm like, what I like, what you're saying, like Jesus, the Jesus that I read about who was against empire and who like that I can get behind. And that gives me like, gives me some strength. It's like, it's just a powerful story. And yes. there are times, you know, I was sitting in Christmas Eve service and I was just like, huh, if I don't believe in hell, like, what do I need to be safe from? I mean, there are moments, you know, <laughs> right. like I have these, yeah. I'm like, but that's okay. I go to a church that like, that's fine. It, that, you know, yeah. that I have yep. questions and it's so freeing to go to a place. Yes. And, and part of, you know, the reason why we started this podcast, because we joked that like, there's a lot of deconstruction podcasts out there. And I'm the only one who still identifies as religious. And so I think yeah. that oftentimes you hear the stories of people who have de- left evangelicalism, but are still very Christian. Yes. And so we are trying to talk more about people who are like in the uncertainty or who are just done. Yes. Like Sarai is, Sarai is like, I'm never stepping foot in a church again. Right. And, and that is totally. We might okay. go to Derek's uh, concert next week. So. Right. Right. Or we'll she's see like, if she steps into a church. Yeah. We'll coax yeah. her in. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll get her there for well, a good reason. And 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 I have and I have found that here in Nashville too. Um, with the with the the community and the church that I, I actually work there. I work there. I I work part time at a church in Nashville. Um, Dang. Uh, called yeah, it's called Grace Point, and we meet at a bar downtown, and it's um extremely. I mean, if you if you put in um Nashville gay church, uh, those three words into Google. Um, you will find Grace Point. Uh, you will find that's our amazing. community. And I mean, yeah. and that's not like the only thing, that's not our, the the only uh, feature of our uh, community, but it's definitely for me has always been, and especially in the last 10 years or so, has been a real litmus, te- litmus test though, to say like, unless you are radically welcoming and not just mm-hmm. not tolerating, but yeah. welcoming, empowering, um, uh, Giving space and voice to people. Yeah. Y- yes. And even putting into leadership positions. Yes. If you're yes. not doing that with marginalized groups and especially women and especially people of color and especially folks in the LGBTQ community, if you're not doing that, that is the immediate, like, unless you're getting the same kind of trouble Jesus got into, I'm not going to trust your Jesus message. Um, and Jesus was like, always, he was radically welcoming to the point where it completely corrupted his reputation. And mm-hmm. so unless you're, unless you are, um, uh, r- having your reputation ruined as an, uh, as a result of the extent to which you are welcoming complicated people, people who are not complicated, but who, uh, society or culture or whatever may see as complicated for whatever reason, uh, then I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. And, um, and, but finding that, yeah, has been amazing. And what it makes me think of, there's a, and I'm, I swear to God, I'm not trying to like bring it around to any talking points, but <laughs> there's a song on the new record that I, that, and it's a phrase that I said for a long time. I actually said it before I went through my audit or deconstruction or whatever. And it's, it's always wrong true to me, but especially now, it's actually more complex for me now. And that is that some gods deserve atheists. 
Some gods deserve atheists. And it's like, you. and for me, I'm open to the idea that um, what I deconstructed out of and the, the, the God who deserved an atheist out of me might've been a God of my own. I'm sure it was a God of my own creation. It might, it might've had a lot to do with the, it might have some overlap, some Venn diagram overlap with the God in the Bible. Um, I surely got a bunch out of there, but I invented a ton of that shit. And I, mm-hmm. and I projected and layered on a ton of that. And my system of theology that I had gotten into d- d- did a bunch of that. By the time it was done, I don't even, I don't even think you could have seen the God inside of all that, um, you know, construction. And, um, and so for me, it's like you have to be, and, and sometimes you have to be willing to kill a not real thing to find your way through to a, a real thing. And so I'm open to saying that I just, that, that it's possible that I just got it wrong. Maybe there is, a, 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 you know, something, something to be known and to have an experience with and to whatever. Maybe there is, maybe there is. Um, I, I will be... I, I will bring my uncertainty with me. I will be permanently uncertain about this till the day I'm dead, which I don't think is the enemy of faith. I think it's the prerequisite of faith. Because mm-hmm. um, if you're certain, you don't have to have faith about anything because mm-hmm. you're certain about it. There's Amen. certainty. But anyways, um, but I'm going to bring that with me. But I'm open again. It's kind of the whole point of this, the new record, the, the new songs is like going back in to say like, um, you know, like how much of this did I invent? And was that the part that I burned down? And then like, maybe I had to do that in order to find my way through to something else, something better, something real, something true. Um, and maybe I'll need to do it again. And that's the last thing I'll say while I'm on the subject is that while we're talking about how useless the word deconstruction is like Mm -hmm. what I have found from my, and I'm curious if you'll resonate with this, what I found in my experience, my process is that I, for a hot second risked Doing the whiplash of de and reconstruction back and forth, kind of forever, and I think that's because there's so much pressure, especially for people who go through deconstruction or or, or deconversion, whatever it is. Their loved ones who are concerned about them, and as Bazan would say, are you know uh, praying and fasting um, for them to begin that reconstruction process. Though, Uh, yeah, I know, I get it. I know deconstruction is great, but when are you going to start that reconstruction? Come on, it's but let's reconstruct a little bit. You know, come on. And it's like, well. I, I think that you run the great risk of this existential exhaustion when you're constantly, I think the solution is to stop constructing. Don't construct, mm-hmm. just don't construct anymore. That's why um, for me, what I've liked, and I've heard Bazan use this language too, is like, I'm gonna hypothesize in real time and I'm gonna bring with me what seems to prove out and ring true. And I'm gonna leave behind in real time the things that don't. And I think that's a good rhythm. Just hypothesize in real time all the time. And that's how, that's, that's the, the scientific method is really helpful for that because over time, some things do get fixed and you're like, okay, because for me, I don't have anything at this point that I would put the weight of the word belief on. I don't really believe anything because I think it brings with it the connotation of like a, bl- a blindness or a, mm. you know, just like a, you're, I'm just kind of following a thing and I don't even, um, nothing has that for me. Um, there are things that I'm curious about that I hypothesize in real time. So far, the only thing I would come close to putting a, 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 the idea of belief on for myself is cause and effect. Cause and effect is a thing that I do think I can observe. I do think I see it playing out in reality, part of just the rhythms of how reality works. Cause and effect, I see that. Um, beyond that, I'm I'm open. I, I really have no idea. Um, and... You know, so I think it's like, and, and I think the point I'm trying to make is that language matters. 
the words yeah. with which we describe ourselves and our processes and our lives and our, our seasons of life really matters. And for me, it's been really helpful to find some of these words and to find just it helps me to move forward and say, you know what, like, whew, no more belief, no more believing. How about that for a while? Let's just take a break from that deal. And let me just kind of like take it as it comes to me. And over time, I think I will probably be able to see the results of that hypothesizing and say, okay, I think I'm settling on some things. I think there's some things that I feel comfortable with at this point. I'll lean a little weight into, but ultimately I'm just, I'm, if it's, if it's invisible or unknowable, I'm just going to remain uncertain about it. That that's the thing that I need to be careful about because man, you want to give that back to something or somebody and you have to resist it. Well, yeah. it's, it's hard. We are, I mean, at least for myself, I'm, it, it's really easy to get stuck in the black and white and living in that gray, mm -hmm. I think can be really freeing, but it, I think it's very terrifying when, yes. you, when you just right. look at it. And because we all want these things to hold to, right? We, there's a reason why people, you know, double down and dig their heels in because it's, yeah. you know, it's something that we're grasping and living yeah. in a, where you don't have all the answers is, is terrifying, but I can also really see the freedom in it. And I think that, I don't know. We just, we want to create a safe space where people are asking questions. It's funny. We really struggle with the term deconstruction and are trying right. to figure out how we talk about ourselves. We've mentioned it as, um, so if we feel like we're reclaiming our power is a lot yes. of Great. how we say it. It's just like, it's not necessarily that we're losing something we are, but you know, all of us in our own way, especially being women who are raised yeah. in the church, who were told we couldn't have power. We couldn't yeah. be in charge. We were supposed to like get married and have babies. Yeah. And you know, it's just, and again, that's why I think it do double take. Like I go to a church run by women and queer people. And when they're yes. like, you want to, you know, the, the progressive evangelical church that I attended prior to this, yeah. um, women could preach, but they weren't allowed to be elders because elders make the financial decisions. Right. And so, yeah. So cute. So, so cute. <laughs> cute. I love that for you. <laughs> well, you know, and, and here's what I like about it though. And, and cause I've had a lot of friends say, well, like, why are you even fucking around with a church at this point? Like, do you really feel like you need that and you need to go there? And I kind of don't, um, me personally, I could not go. And that would be, I don't personally feel like I need that. But here's what I think is powerful about it. And I, I hear it in your language as well, is what I like about it is the idea that the same thing, the same institution or the same uh, is going to be part of the untangling that tangled everybody up and part of the healing that that did all the hurt. And so it's mm -hmm. like, I like the idea that our church, we, we're not evangelical, but we definitely claim uh, uh, our pastor, Josh Scott, definitely calls us a Christian community. We're a, we're a Jesus kind of, we're a, we're a Christian. That, that is kind of the, the focus we have. That's kind of the way we're going at it. And the thing I love about that is it is like a reclaiming to say, Yes, we could go and do this and call it something else and that and that and we maybe we will at some point. Um, and he says that all the time. Um, but I like that for for a lot of people, there is something really healing um, and can be a very important uh, part of a restoration process and a and a reconnection to your own body and gut after decades of being told to not trust yourself mm -hmm. and that if you think it, if you feel it, if you want it, that's for sure the thing you need to avoid and run from and not do because you are corrupt head to toe and you can't oh. trust yourself. And I so it's that. like, I hate it yes, so much. I know. Like, uh, you can't yeah. trust your instincts because that's your sinful nature right, and right, you need right. to like go pray about it or something. Right, it's right. like, 
Yeah. Uh, and so, and so as you reconnect with your own body and gut and conscience over time, I think there is something really powerful about groups and individuals and people like what you're doing there, what Grace Point does here saying, you know what, but we're going to try to go back and do some of the actual work that we do, but we, we can observe that was clearly important to Jesus and the disruptive things about who he was and what he was doing and what ultimately got him killed in the way that he, he, uh, absolutely dug his heels in against empire. I mean, that, that really ultimately um, was what got him in trouble. Um, and so like doing that work, calling ourselves, still claiming this term and being in the world and having it be a place almost like a, the way that our pastor talks about it is like, we're, we're kind of like the, either the, the last stop before you're totally out or maybe your first step back into the kiddie pool of figuring out if you're even <laughs> down with any kind of spirituality at all. Mm. Like come and just kind of hang with us. We have no expectations about any, like we, our only creed is uh, you belong, you belong. Like, let's all say it together. You belong. Like yeah. we're not going to do, because creeds are inherently exclusionary. You know, we all get up and have to recite and look at each other, make sure we're all saying it. These are the things that we all are saying that we believe this is the, um, the, you know, kind of the, uh, the, the standard or the, or the, the, the plumb line of orthodoxy. And if you're, if you're not on board with this, uh, this might not be a great place for you. It's like, no, 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 we don't have any of that. We have any of that. Come in, be wherever you're at. You belong here. If you say you're in, you're in. And if, if this is your last stop and you're out, fantastic. Um, if this is your first kind of, if this is as far as you can come back in, fantastic. But I love something about that coming from a group of people calling themselves Christians or a Christian community doing the work of healing and restoration and untangling because God knows it's the Christian church who's doing, who's causing it. And so that I like, I like there are people who are sticking it out and saying, nah, we're going to continue to, we're going to kind of take up weird as we're going to be. Um, and hard as it's going to be for us to make it, to make any sense to anybody, we're going to continue doing this work under this category in order that people can see um, in order there's, it's almost like that the, there's justice or something that mm -hmm. some of these people figured out that what they were doing was wrong and hurtful and destructive and evil. And some of them decided to turn and repent literally of that mm -hmm. and to go another way and to follow Jesus right out of Christianity. And I, mm -hmm. and, I and so I think it's powerful when people do it. I love that your church there is doing it. Um, I'm proud of our, of our church here. I like being a part of it for that reason, you know? And I think intentional community is something that I, I miss. I, I'm not at a church. It's not a community that I feel comfortable going to, but I love yeah. what Lindsay's church is doing. I love that resources are going back to the community. Yes. And it's not just about the community of us in inside the building, but it really is a greater goal. And yeah. that to me is really inspiring and makes me not hate all churches or <laughs> hate all Christians or have yeah. this, you know, all or nothing worldview, but yeah. I think intentional community is, is the thing. It's like you're saying, when you feel that you belong, when you have love and care for another person and you decide with, with not just the goal of, I got to show up at Sunday, do that Sunday Christian thing, but to actually have relationship throughout your life, throughout your day, throughout your week, it actually is a very supportive yeah. thing that I, I think a lot of us realized during the pandemic, that loneliness of not being face to face or hearing a group of people laugh together, right. hearing a group of people talking and different conversations going, 
that's a thing that is so needed for the soul. And yeah. whether or not you assign that to a God or a religion or a place, to me, intentional community building is a beautiful thing in all facets of culture and community and government. And mm -hmm. if we can do that with the intention of love and, and respect and then Belonging. yes, all, all are welcome. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so huge because I think that evangelicalism says that people belong and they say <sighs> that they're welcoming. And clearly that is not true. We have all right. learned that. And so I think to have these communities, wh whether it be a faith based or not, that just tell people that they, that you are loved yes. and you belong and you have yep. a and place. come as you are, right? Yep. It's you belong, which is such a triggering and phrase, stay as you right? are. Like, don't change <laughs> and stay. Yeah, and stay as you yeah. are. Yeah, stay? I was like, yeah. come as you are feels so triggering to me because I was like, that was right. bullshit. They didn't yep. mean it ever. Right. Did not mean it. right. Well, and the thing is, <laughs> like, that was kind you, of I think. well, and that's kind of the Jesus ethic when it comes to relationships is radically including. It's like it includes. It's it's, but it's for everybody. It's ev literally everybody. It's like the most radical inclusion you can imagine is literally what. Jesus was doing. I mean, he, and he really did. I mean, you know, there's so many great examples of it. And so unless if we read that as anything other than um, ex extending, not like it, it broadening out the circle, not tightening it and requiring people to get on the inside of it with, with us or whatever, but broadening the circle out to the extent that it includes everyone and especially includes and empowers um, marginalized people that especially the church has especially excluded yep. um, and tried to silence and tried to. And so that's why, that's why for me, it's like, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the big main things that I look for in a, in a church community is like, okay, well, where are you with the queer community? Where are you with uh, people of color, with women? How do you treat what, how do you like, let me like, show me your staff, show me your uh, like, let me see how you're doing it. And unless I can see that, then I'm probably not going to be interested. Because if you're failing at that, that's upstream of everything to me. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it really is. So it's not that the other things don't matter. It's just this is such an important indicator for me that if you fail at that, I'm just not interested in anything else. Yeah, I, 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 there's no point in going. It's quite this patriarchal leadership and that's going to funnel down into every single thing that that community is going to do. So right. we've tried that. We always say we've done it. We've tried it. We've seen it. It's 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 somebody right. else's turn. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this this conversation is making me very excited for your new album. I'm super curious just to to hear it. And I, I feel like. Thank you. You're just the way that you speak about faith and leaving some of it behind. It's funny. It reminds me of like therapy, like take, take the parts that serve you and leave behind everything else. And I yeah. think that that is such a powerful thing to do in all aspects of our life, yes. right? Like if it is right. not serving you, like get rid of it. Gone. And, Done. Yeah. and I love that rather than deconstructing or reconstructing, you're just finding the parts that you need to keep and hold on to and yeah. that are serving you. And, and let's do it live. Let's do it live. Like we don't yeah. have to put flags down everywhere and then have to go back mm -hmm. and say, like, just let's You don't just have to tie a forward. bow on it. Yeah. Right. You don't yeah, have to tie a little bow on it. Let's just nurture our lives and, and be who we are. It's, it is a beautiful thing. And it's beautiful to see other people who get to embrace the trueness of who they are yeah. and absolutely and finding their way through it and nurturing that. And, and I want to be a nurturer of it. Yes. Yes, I do too. And I think that's the thing. That's really where the church has done its damage is in making people feel it, it taking that from people, mm -hmm. the, them coming into a full knowledge of who they are, the beauty of who they are, 
um, and them being able to be their full selves at all times, um, like that is the thing the church has taken from so many people. It's like, no, no, you have to, here's the way it has to work and here are the models and here are the options and here's the, and it has to, and that's, and that's what, that's what I love about churches who are giving that. It's not, nobody needs the church to give it to them, but the fact that their church would uh, intentionally take steps to, to affirm everyone in all the diversity of who they are and the fullness of who they are and come and bring every bit of that, um, come and stay as you are, um, is, is I think a, a good thing, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I hope, I hope, uh, uh, I hope to hang, um, with y'all while I'm, uh, if possible while I'm there. And I hope the new songs are resonant and, and comforting in some way. I hope people find them resonant is in terms of soundtrack for what they're feeling in order that they would feel not alone in going through it. That was literally the, 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 my crazy long story apparently that I didn't realize I didn't finish telling that finishes here <laughs> is the thing that pulled me out of the writer's block when I had gone through all that, uh, when I didn't know how to write, how to look at the world, how to describe it. I didn't know how to do any of that. What pulled me out of it ultimately, what, when I couldn't find soundtrack that I was looking for was to contribute, mm -hmm. was to contribute some. And that's what finally got me writing. I was like, there are so many people who are where I am and looking for others and looking for evidences of anyone having ever felt this before and go, having gone through it before. And they're not finding it because I'm not finding it and they need it. And so I should, this is, this is a thing I can do. I should, I should create some, I should make some, I should leave something here, some breadcrumbs where people know that someone's been here before so that they feel comforted uh, in the going through it. And that's what finally pushed me through into writing again. And, mm -hmm. and that's why I, and that's really like kind of that, I kind of feel like that was a rebirth for me artistically, like where I was like, oh, what had previously been the most selfish exercise I ever do in my life of writing songs and just trying to creatively work my way out of impossible emotional situations. Now I'm doing it for the first time in all these years, I'm finally doing it as ministry. I'm doing it for the benefit of others is my primary motivation. Um, I'm doing it to minister to others so that others will come here things that they resonate with, that comfort them, that help them to know that they're not alone and go with them through it. That's like the only reason I do it now. It's so interesting um, how- Thank you for that, honestly. It, yeah, I mean, well, I'm, so I'm a new fan. <laughs> I'm going to be a new fan for, for a well, life. Well, well, well reserve your judgment. Let, let me get there. Let me play the new songs for you. And we'll see All what right, you think. All right, fine. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let everybody know. If I but at least she's not going to have- She's not going to have much to compare it to. She's not going to be like, oh, this is And so please it. don't listen yeah. to anything. Yeah, just, just come fresh. <laughs> Let's I'm start. Let's start when great. we meet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so nice. just make sure everybody is in the uh, Derek Webb will be playing at All Saints Episcopal in Portland on January fifteenth. We will link two tickets in the show notes, yes. and we'll also put it on our socials as well. So come amazing! Hang Thank out. you. It's going to be chill and wonderful, and hopefully, some people can find some of those breadcrumbs for themselves. I hope that yes. this is. Like you said, there's not a lot of people having these conversations, especially in music. Like I said, it's like yeah. And music is so important to us, like deep in our soul, that spiritual connection that we have being in a room with music, with voices lifting, there is a spiritual connection that happens and it doesn't 100%. have to be centered around a God. Right. So thank you for making it still possible. Absolutely. And you're right. It's like a primitive, amazing, weird thing that we do still in our crazy modern society. We gather in places and people make sounds with their bodies and we watch or we, and we, and we, and we contribute and collaborate. It's like a, it's a crazy great thing. And so here's my last word of encouragement. I know you said before, like, oh, you know, so many people are talking about deconstruction or whatever it is. And so 
so many podcasts. Like, I'm so grateful that 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 you all are doing this and holding this space for the folks who are listening to you and bringing. I mean, you're you know you're you're reclaiming and all those things. I mean, I'm so grateful. I, I'm um, you know, be encouraged that know there's a, because even though it feels like a crowded space and like a lot of noise, you know, because you're you're feeling it. There's not enough though. There are not enough people talking with enough nuance um, and applying all of this to people who are currently feeling it and going through it and experiencing it, and people who will come after us who will find this podcast many years from now mm-hmm. and will feel deeply comforted in the conversations that you are having in every episode. So be encouraged in doing it, continue doing it. Thank you for doing it. Um, and thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. It was really great to talk to you. You as well. All right. We'll see you soon. Hey, ghosties. It's Lindsay and Meg again. We really hope that you enjoyed that interview with Derek and hopefully gave you some hope and some fun ideas for the future, things that you can still be involved in, ways that you can support your community. And, you know, one of the ways you can support us here on the podcast is by becoming a patron. And it's really challenging for me to ask for support in this way, but we do want to be able to keep this pod going and we could really use the post-production support. Um, We're putting a lot of time and energy into this project and we love it. Uh, but we're kind of burning the candle at both ends. Hopefully we can get more radical guests like Derek Webb. So if you enjoyed this, like the, the more support we get, the more we can, we can do on this podcast and the more conversations that we can have. And I'm just throwing this out into the universe. Uh, we are going to interview Amy Grant at some point. So Amen. that will happen. So be it. Head on over to patreon.com backslash holy ghosting and join us and become a ghosty. Perfect. I realized something that I'm Meg, we might need to figure this out. So Meg and I are in a uh, Dungeons and Dragons group together. We summon the occult, you know, but um, yes, we're on our third campaign. We've been playing for eons. We're total nerds, but we do an annual retreat and where we go away and just game the whole weekend. But I think we're at the beach during his show. You don't know. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. I'll be back. I'll be back. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We either, either we'll see you this time or we'll promise that we'll get you back. Yeah, we we might be just high and rolling dice at the beach. And honestly, that's I would want you nowhere else doing nothing else. So like, I'll know that you're somewhere getting your needs met. That's all that really matters ultimately.